When it comes to worship and coming before God, it's not based upon our merits. It's not based upon how well we have done that day or that week, but worship is based upon the merits of Jesus Christ. Well, hello and welcome to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor and I'm here with Pastor Daniel as we come to discuss again God's Word. Now this past Sunday, uh, Daniel, you opened up for us Psalm 95 and it was a sermon that inspired so much joy. I felt my own heart lifted up in, in joyous praise to the Lord as we are meditating on the truths. Can you remind us what the main points were or the main point was? Yes, yeah, good to be here with you again, brother, and uh, meditating on this psalm. Yeah, the main point was that God invites us to worship him with all that we are. And this means that he invites us to praise him with joyful lips and with humble hearts and with listening ears. Mm. All that we are to worship the Lord. You know, it, it reminds me of two passages, one in the Old Testament and then one in the New. In the Old Testament, there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, the great Shema that the Jewish people have recited morning and evening for, for centuries now. Mm. We hear this, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart mm. and with all your soul and with all your might. In other words, love me with all that you are and all that you have. It ties in with what that main point of Psalm 95 is. And then again, Romans 12 verse 1 from the new testament i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god so in response to god's mm -hmm. grace and mercy that paul laid out for us yeah. in the first 11 chapters of romans he says to present your bodies as living sacrifice mm -hmm. holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship and as you said in your sermon god doesn't want praise just from our minds as mm -hmm. if we're brains on a stick he wants our whole self, body and soul, to praise him. He made us body and soul, and he wants all of us to praise him with joy and thanksgiving. And so some great truths from God's word there, and excited to dive in more as we look into Psalm 95. Now in this psalm, Pastor Daniel, are there specific images that come out, vivid imagery in this text that helps us see what God is telling us here? Yes, yeah, when the psalmist calls us to praise God, he also gives us the reasons why we are called to praise God. And, and he speaks about the greatness of God in verses 3 and 4 as a reason we should praise God. He speaks of God as greater than all of the gods of this earth. Uh, we would call those idols, right? An idol is anything that human beings set up alongside the Lord Jesus or set up above him. And even as Christians, we could find ourselves, you know, subtly you know, having things in our life that are, are there next to God or above God that we live for, that we find our meaning and identity in. But the psalmist is calling us to, to praise God as the great God. He's the only one who can satisfy our souls. Unlike those idols that leave us longing for more, this great God, the true God, is the one who we worship because he's the one who satisfies our hearts. As we sometimes sing in worship from that um, well-known hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, we sing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy, never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. And so that imagery of God being this exalted king, worthy of praise, is one that comes through. Uh, we also have another one where God is spoken of as the sustainer of the universe. Uh, the psalmist says, in one hand, he holds the mountain peaks. The other hand, he holds the depths of the earth. And it's 
beautiful, comprehensive imagery that shows the vastness of God's power, mm. right? Those great mountain peaks that we see around us here in Ontario, like Mount Baldy, but even bigger ones like Mount Everest, God effortlessly holds in his hand. And then the depths of the earth, the deepest parts of our ocean, or just even those unknown parts of the world that, that humans have yet to discover, God holds those parts as well, showing his his omnipotence, his power, and also how he is the God who sustains this world. He sustains us. And so there's much imagery that causes us to stand in awe of God uh, so that we could come with those joyful lips and those humble hearts before him. As you mentioned, that those two are so tied together, the first one and the second one, that God doesn't want us to have any idols in our life. He wants us to recognize him as the God of, above all gods and and we see that he is worthy of that and he is more than sufficient in that illustration of him holding the largest massive mountains in his hands and the depths of the sea like clay in the potter's hand. He is truly the alpha and the omega and therefore he should be the beginning and end to our life. The reason why we rise in the morning and the reason why we lie down with hope at the end of the night now, Pastor Daniel, how is God's truth, as presented by Psalm 95, renewing and reshaping your heart? And first of all, mm. in what ways does this text comfort you? Mm. Yeah, I think this psalm at the beginning is a reminder that um, God invites the unworthy even to come and to praise him. It opens up with the words, O come, let us sing to the Lord. And sometimes I think when we when we come to church or maybe when we're opening the Bibles even day by day, Sometimes we wrestle with that feeling of unworthiness, like why am I even trying to pray right now or read scripture or why am I coming to church when, when God sees me and he knows how, how, how far um, short I fall of his standards and of his glory. But we're reminded in this psalm and, and throughout the scriptures that when it comes to worship and coming before God, it's not based upon our merits. It's not based upon how well we have done that day or that week. But worship is based upon the merits of Jesus Christ. And what we mean by that is we come into worship on account of Jesus's perfect life that he lived for us, his sacrificial death, and his glorious resurrection from the dead. It's his work that opens up the way to draw near to God and opens up the way to come before God then with true joy and with humble hearts because we recognize that uh, even the the opportunity to worship in that call is based upon what Jesus did for us. And so it's comforting because we see um, every day and, and every Lord's Day that, that we have access open to the throne of grace where God is ready and willing and desirous to receive us because of what Jesus has done for us. So we come with that, that humble boldness and we also come with humility and joy. Mm. I love that. And I remember in your sermon, you spoke to the children and mentioned how we get on occasion in life uh, invitations to parties, mm. to a birthday party maybe, yeah. um, or to a wedding, and the feeling that we have when we mm. receive that invitation, that we've been seen, recognized, and loved enough to receive that invitation, and then the the sort of excitement that comes with that, you know, that, oh, okay, we're going to come together with yeah. my friends and my family, and we're going to celebrate, we're going to... Uh, rejoice over this occasion, you know, whether it's a birthday or a wedding. And what an amazing thing that God himself is inviting us to come into his presence. Um, and through Christ and his mediation, we actually come into not only the presence of God and also one another here on earth, but also the saints right. in glory when we come together and call upon Jesus. 
um, and the angels are gathered there in mm. festal gathering, uh, and so we're we're entering into this glorious party mm. <laughs> every Sunday, and God's inviting us to that. Uh, what a joyful thing! Even though we're sinners, <laughs> that's right. We come in, uh, as you said, by the merits of Christ, and God welcomes us in as we are. More than that, He wants us to come to Him, and what a joy! Uh, now, Pastor Daniel. In what ways does this psalm correct you? Yes, you know, it was actually commented on by a church member that, you know, this psalm has a sobering ending (laughs) and how it kind of ends a bit abruptly. It ends with this phrase, uh, Therefore, God says, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. And we see there a sobering note that we also want to make sure we receive from God as we receive all of his word. We receive that when when it comes to worship of how important it is to, to listen to the Lord And to not only listen with our ears, but to listen in such a way that our hearts are ready to obey God's voice, right? Ready to believe the gospel message and ready to follow the Lord Jesus. We reminded in the book of Hebrews, as it picks up on this psalm, that the church of Jesus is a church that's in the wilderness right now, meaning that we're not back in Egypt in our chains of sin, under the bondage of sin and under Satan and his tyranny. But we're also not yet in the promised land. We're not in the heavenly Canaan. We're making our way through the wilderness of this life. And in this wilderness journey, there's many temptations. There's many pitfalls. And God himself is speaking to his church through his living and active word. And the call of God is to listen to the voice of Jesus who is speaking to us in this wilderness that we might hold on to him, fix our eyes upon him, and avoid those pitfalls. And so this kind of text corrects me because it shows me how important it is to be listening to Christ every day through his word and by his spirit and to avoid those pitfalls that are highlighted here like grumbling against God, complaining against God, right? doubting his provision, doubting his goodness. Uh, the Lord has given us in his scriptures many reasons to hold on to him and to see his goodness, especially in Christ. Mm. That's so good, Pastor Daniel. And um, I want to highlight Verses 7 to 9 in Psalm 95, where it says this, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And this is picking up on the illustration, the metaphor of a sheep with shepherd, and sheep know the voice of their shepherd. They hear and listen and respond and follow. And so he wants us to trust him that he is leading us to greener pastures, even though at times we have to follow him through the wilderness to get there. And so he, instead of grumbling and complaining in the wilderness, he wants us to lean on him and trust that he's leading us onward and forward to that green pasture of his and that we are in his hand. When the Jewish leaders in John 10 asked Jesus, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. This is how Jesus answered, and it's very much related to Psalm 95 here. He said, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And so Jesus is showing us here that the green pasture he's leading us to is eternal life with him. And he wants us as his sheep to listen to his voice, to follow him. And he promises us safe passage. He promises that he will safely bring us there to the end. And so 
dear Christian, as you follow Jesus by faith, know what Jesus promises here. You will never perish and no one will snatch you out of his hand. We are the sheep of his hand. And so what that means is that he who holds Mount Everest and the Mariana Trench in his hands is also the same one who holds you in his hand. And so don't let your heart be hardened by the difficulties, the trials, the dark valleys, and the dry deserts of life. As he calls you, listen to his voice, and he will lead you through to rest. And how does that concept of rest also come out here at the end of this psalm, Pastor Daniel? Yes, the Lord speaks about the people of God of old falling short of his rest. And that that theme of rest throughout the scriptures is an important one. We see it, you might say, symbolized in the tree of life that God held before Adam and Eve, and we see them falling short um, of that blessed life with God where they would be glorified and join full rest before God. Um, but they sinned, right, along with Israel, along with us. And Israel's fall and Adam's fall, we see ourselves and we see how often we mess things up. But the Lord offers us this rest in Jesus Christ, right? The famous words of Jesus that he spoke on earth from Matthew 11, uh, 28, 29. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And that's the Lord Jesus inviting us to find ultimately rest in him, not in ourselves, uh, but ultimately in trusting in him, you know, laying aside those burdens and sins and holding on to Christ. Ultimately, he's our rest. And he is the one who is nourishing us and giving us satisfaction out of his own abundance. Hmm. That's such a good word. I find my heart kind of collapsing into the the gracious, comforting arms of the Savior as you mention those truths. Hmm. Such a comfort as well. Now, Pastor Daniel, what are some practical takeaways for all the kinds of people in our congregation? Well, you know, as you were speaking earlier, brother, you were mentioning just what a joyful opportunity it is to come and to worship with God's people, with the saints above and with the angels in heaven. And, you know, just as a note, if you're listening to this podcast and you're and you're not yet plugged in at Ontario URC or the church where you are a member of, just to remember this joyful opportunity that we have every Lord's Day. It's a it's a celebration. It's a holiday that God gives to us every Lord's Day, to come and to worship Him and to find our hearts rejoicing, find them at rest, and find them celebrating the goodness of Christ with brothers and sisters. So just a, an encouragement to just take a high view of the Lord's Day and the blessings that God is offering to us there. And some of the ways that the Lord's Day uh, can even be a great blessing for us is when we just take time to prepare for it wisely. You know, maybe the day before we we begin to pray for our pastors and we ask God to to bless them in their in their preaching, but also the people who are coming to listen to God's word and coming to worship. You know, maybe we set out some clothes so that Sunday morning doesn't feel like a bit of a rush, or we prepare some food, or we do some practical things that help us to come into the presence of God on Sunday without hurried minds and distracted hearts. But we're able to come with those listening ears that God has, with those hearts that are that are ready and prepared for worship. And so just an encouragement to think about how you might be able to prepare and what kinds of things would help you just individually to to come to worship uh, with that sense of joy and humility in your heart. But also throughout the week as we worship the Lord in our own devotions, you know, perhaps we hear this psalm and, and we need to think about how it informs our own life before God when we're praying, when we're singing. 
you know, the, the psalmist speaks of, um, of kneeling before the Lord, our maker. And, you know, I would encourage you to, you know, to try, even if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable in different times of worship to, you know, maybe kneel in your prayer times, uh, lift up your hands as you pray. Paul talks to Timothy about that in first Timothy too. Uh, maybe stand with your face toward heaven as you pray. Our bodies inform our hearts and, you know, we see that in the psalm, this this call to praise God with all that we are and then actually what that might look like with our bodies. Uh, so just maybe an encouragement to, uh, to try that out and uh, as we worship the Lord uh, throughout the week. Some great suggestions there, Pastor Daniel. And as I'm looking at the text and hearing you talk, you know, we hear a variety of commands. So often it's lit us as mm. a communal aspect. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. And also a little bit later, as you're mentioning, using our whole bodies in worship, we can do that and we should be doing that uh, personally, individually at home. But also it says here in verse six, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Mm. Let us kneel down before the Lord, our maker. And so I know it's not typically practiced in our church, but it seems to be clearly the case that in passages like this and elsewhere in the Old Testament and New Testament, that this kind of embodied worship and these postures of kneeling and bowing down and as you mentioned uh, Paul commanding Timothy for the men to have their hands lifted up raised up in prayer these are the kinds of things that we should in time uh, as God's word works on our hearts feel comfortable doing Mm -hmm. um, and possibly incorporating into our own worship on Sundays Mm -hmm. Uh, just throwing that out out there for Mm -hmm. us to consider (laughs) that's good brother yeah you know Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that one day everybody's going to kneel before the Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. right? In heaven and on earth and under the earth that all will will kneel before him and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And again, the Lord is inviting us to do that in joyful submission to our great King. Amen. Amen. Now, in, in what ways does this psalm here give us a bigger and better understanding of who Jesus is for us? Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what we need to grow mm-hmm. in, in, our, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So who, how do we see Jesus more through this passage? You know, as we're reminded of how God is our great God and a great king, we're pointed to Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the ruler of kings on earth. And so we see, as we see Jesus and his exalted glory right now, ruling and reigning at God's right hand, uh, we fix our eyes upon him and are moved to, 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 to humble ourselves and give ourselves in joyful submission to him. Uh, we're reminded in this psalm that he's the one who is faithful to his church in the wilderness, as you mentioned, brother, that, that he is the good shepherd who holds us in his hand. And so um, we can be protected in all of those pitfalls and all of the temptations. We can know that if we belong to Christ, he's not going to let us go. Mm. And as we think of that theme of rest, we are reminded Jesus is our rest, mm. right? Our ultimate Sabbath rest is a person. And we find rest in the person of Jesus Christ. And again, we find rest when we, when we cease from trying to earn God's favor by our own strength, when we repent of our sins and we put our faith and trust in the one who died for us, the one who lived for us, the one who rose for us. And so he's the one who's worthy of our worship. And uh, we see uh, his beautiful care, his beautiful exalted nature all throughout this psalm. Hmm. It hit me as you're saying, especially that Jesus is our Sabbath rest and our rest is a person that 
some of the times where I feel most at rest is when I'm with someone, like my wife in particular, Ariana, who knows me, mm-hmm. understands me, sympathizes with me, and yet loves me still. <laughs> and what a, what a joyful thing to have that rest in a person, in the mm-hmm. company of a person, and how much more Jesus, who knows us mm-hmm. better than we know ourselves. Yeah. All of our faults and flaws, our weaknesses, frailties, every beautiful diamond and gem within us as well that he is working in us by the Holy Spirit. He knows each and every crevice and part of us, and and yet he loves us, and he welcomes us in to find rest in him. Oh, how I long for that rest, that Sabbath rest to come with Jesus and with the saints in glory and the new heavens and the new earth, that eternal rest that he's leading us towards. Well, brother, lastly, which verse do you recommend we commit to memory from this passage? There's a couple of different passages that are beautiful. Um, I'll just highlight one, Psalm 96, 6 and 7. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Amen. Amen. Well, Loved ones, as you've been listening, we we hope this has been an encouragement to you, and we hope that together we can uh, take these truths in by faith, the Spirit working on our hearts, and prepare our hearts as well for worship as we come together again this Lord's Day to hear from our Good Shepherd and hear His voice again as He calls us onward and forward to those green pastures. Uh, May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll touch base with you again next week.